right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Down to Business Podcast here with Tamar Turner, man. Gotta shout out my boy Jordan, Demarcus, a man of many names, a big heart, much love. <laughs> shout out to him, man, because he is really the reason why I'm sitting down with um, this young lady today, Aaliyah, man. Very excited to, you know, pick her brain a little bit, give y'all a little bit more insight into her craft, what she does, how she kind of got started, involved, and everything. And this episode is really, honestly, timely because I'm subscribed to CJ Monet's Patreon, somebody who I also need to bring on this podcast. But I actually checked my mail yesterday and the sticker came in the mail. And it was a partnership between CJ, Carly, as most people call it. She Monet, Carly, and Aaliyah. So very excited. You know, just the timeliness of everything. God works in mysterious ways, but you know, he never misses a beat, never misses a step. So very excited for this lady. Like I said, big shout out to my boy, family man, my brother, Jordan, praying for you right now, praying that you have a speedy, healthy recovery and all that, man. But definitely glad. Very much so. Definitely glad you're still rocking with us. So yeah, Aaliyah, so how you doing, man? How's everything? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Whenever I get to sit down with people, whenever I get to just, you know, push more content, pick another creative's brain, man, I'm always good. So for the people out there tapping in, I know we're going to have a host of different people, both new, both returning, your side, my side, a little bit of everything in between. Can you, one, just tell us a little bit about yourself? And then two, can you just tell us what brings you on the Down to Business podcast today? Yeah, for sure. Um, my name's Aaliyah Bonnet. I'm a mixed media artist currently working out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I actually have a studio right now at Art Space Raleigh downtown in Raleigh. And I really just pretty much make art and sell my work off of that. Sometimes I, you know, sell stickers and other things like that. But I'm mainly just a full-time artist making work and selling my work and showing it in galleries and museums and different places like that. Got you. So mixed media, what does that mean? Like that's kind of a newer term to me. So what what all does that encompass for my for my artists out there? I'm sorry if that's kind of a, a generic or a basic question, but I don't I don't know that. And I'm pretty sure that's probably a few people out there who may have not have heard that term before. So yeah, give me a little bit more insight as to what exactly that means. So basically I'm a visual artist, meaning my work tends to go into galleries and museums and I sell my original pieces like that. They generally, when you're selling work or presenting your work, really like to know the like the area of work that you're working in, whether that's painting or textiles, which is fabric, or uh, graphic design, something like that along the lines. So my work, I say, is mixed media because mixed media really just means you're pulling from different mediums within the realm of visual art. Because I am using paint and I'm using textiles and sometimes I do like weird stuff like beading and printmaking and all types of things, mixed media is just the easiest kind of label (laughs) to call myself within art. Got you. Okay. So a little bit of everything. Versatility. I love that. Okay. So kind of, kind of even answered another kind of thought or another kind of question that I had. So you talked about the painting, you talked about textiles, you talked about beating and and some, some other words that I don't know either, but so what, what would you, would you say you have a specialty? Would you say you have a strong suit? Would you say you're really just, everything is under that one umbrella. You try to kind of just be like, we kind of talked about that Swiss army knife versatility. Is there something that you really love to do? I definitely pretty exclusively make quilts and then paint on them. So anything within that is what I tend to stick towards. Now, I don't really think I've even painted on a canvas in like three years because I've just been painting on quilts. Okay. So I'm thinking of a quilt right now in my head. I'm thinking of the material. I'm thinking of, you know, everything that goes into that. Is that difficult? Like, is that hard? Like, because for me, okay, a quilt is kind of like, it's thicker. It's a, it's a, it's almost like a blanket. I'm going to say a blanket, like a, you know. It is a blanket. Yeah. yeah so, all right. I'm glad. All right. So we on the same thing. Good. <laughs> um, 
okay, so what, how does that train? Because for me, that sounds a little bit in comparison to like a canvas, to like a piece of paper, to a wall, a desk, anything like that. It seems much simpler. The translation is much easier. What is that like really, you know, having to really work that on, on a quilt? It is difficult in the sense that like when you're painting on a canvas or a piece of paper, you have the the canvas and the piece of paper already. Like, so you're just painting on it. For me, I'm also creating the quilt. So that kind of sets me back a couple steps in the sense that I can't just say, hmm, I'm a paint on this canvas today. I'm finna like, you know, rock this, this painting. I have to think, okay, well, I got to make the quilt before I can even think about making the, the painting. So what kind of colors am going to be on the quilt and like all that sort of stuff. So it definitely is more difficult in the sense that it takes a lot more planning. Um, but it, now that I've been doing it for so long, it, it is kind of like a natural rhythm for me, that process. Got you. And I was, you kind of beating me to the punches here with the questions and the answers. I saw the, I see the machine in the back. So I was actually about to ask you, you know, do you kind of get into that too? Like quilt making, seam sewing, everything like that. But okay. So I see that. So what really, was there something that kind of made you transition from canvas? I know you said like three years or something like that. Was there something that kind of sparked in your head? Was there just an interest there? Did you just kind of teach yourself a new skill and then you kind of added the artistic side of things? What really kind of took you away, if anything, from like wanting to do like canvas work? or that traditional like on paper and things like that oh it was like very much so like <laughs> this is what you're doing now um i was at east carolina university and i was in school there for painting and art and one of the projects was make a painting on something portable that you could like physically pick up and move at the same time that i was doing that i actually had just decided to become an african-american studies minor just so i could really be able to talk about my work in a way that was based on facts. And I started learning about how quilts may have been used in the Underground Railroad to help slaves to freedom. Now that that's like kind of a myth. There's not a lot of evidence on that, but that made me want to do a quilt. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try to figure out how to make a quilt. Let me pick up this sewing machine I haven't touched in a long time. And I was, you know how you're talking to your parents about like what you're doing in school. I was like, I'm making a quilt. And my mom her mom passed away before I was born. She said, oh, I think my um, I think my grandma used to make quilts. Or not my grandma. I think my mom used to make quilts. You should call your grandfather and talk to your grandfather about it. I was like, all right. So I called my grandfather up. He's like the kind of granddad that keeps everything, has not changed his curtains or his couch. His oven doesn't work. His stove doesn't work because it's still from the 70s, stuff like that. He had all of her fabrics all of her unfinished quilts that she she just left behind when she passed. So this is like 30 years now that he had kept all this stuff. And he said, well, if you want to go down, come down and get it. So I drove to Atlanta. He had like this huge barrel of like just fabrics and he gave them all to me. So af after that, it was kind of like, dang, like this is something that I kind of got to do now just to carry that tradition on in my family. That's a cool tie right there. Like, obviously, you know, my condolences. But the fact that, you know, one that I, I've always loved people like that. It's always even better when it's in your family. Somebody who I wouldn't even call them like a hoarder in a sense, but more so just like that keepsake person, that historic person, that person that holds on to those ties, those memories, just those things, because you never know what they can be used for. So one, it can obviously, you know, tie different memories, tie different stories, experiences, everything like that. But two, it could almost want to, you know, spark that plug, spark that thing in your, that light bulb in your head to say, oh, well, what if I want to continue the legacy? What if I really want to make this happen? This is my interest as well. Almost runs in the family type of thing. So, okay, that's, that's very, 
kind of a cool transition, kind of a cool story. You said you made that drive to Atlanta, made it happen, got that fabric, made it right. Okay, so thinking about you, you said that you're in a studio now. Congrats on that. That's major. Like, you know, how important is securing a studio as an artist, as for what you do, as to think about, you know, because a lot of times I think about when I when I first started my podcast. I recorded my my very my introduction video is in my was in my garage in my house in Philadelphia. It's to the point where I can listen to my intro video. I hear the cars in the background, the same cars that when they was going by the background, I was getting upset as I'm recording because it's like, damn, like you know, I ain't hear no cars in the first ten minutes, and now all of a sudden, like all these cars just want to be zooming by. It's ten at night, like mm-hmm. ten at night. Don't ask me why I recorded my intro video so late. I was just in the zone, but all of that. So yeah, how? But I, but I also think now too about how when I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm in a studio now, but I have a much better setup than than where I'm at. I'm be in conference rooms, be in different private offices, everything like that, and kind of be able to record, set stuff up and do and do things that way. How important is being in a studio to what you do, to whether it be to the quilt making, to the actual design, to getting everything out to your creative and artistic process, rather than kind of just, you know, sometimes being in a house, sometimes having to move, having to makeshift things and everything that kind of goes mm-hmm. on For me personally, it's very important. And it, I think it depends based on the artist, but my pieces tend to be like six feet by like four feet so they're pretty big and <laughs> that means that I I need a lot of space kind of to work in I definitely did like thug it out in my room for a couple years or like during the summers when I wasn't at school and stuff and that is that works for some people but for me <laughs> like I'm the type of person who is like if I see my bed when I'm sitting at my desk working like I might go to my bed and watch an episode or two of you know like Real Housewives or something silly like that so it helps me in the especially because I it's my full-time job like getting up and going somewhere is really helpful for me now instead of just like waking up and walking them two steps to my my desk <laughs> it's funny man I, I, I work in a uh, I work like with public co-working space and private offices and things like that so a lot of people especially being in Florida where I'm gonna just say that they feel like they have bigger fish to fry than COVID. It's kind of just on the back burner for them. They're a little bit more open down here, but no, it's it's always kind of interesting to hear people talk about working from home, working remote, working hybrid. How you know after a while they they come they come in they tell us you know well I have a very nice office setup whether it be something that they kind of set up in their room specifically or whether it just be something where maybe an extra bedroom or maybe like an actual office in their living room down or however they did it but we also are always quick to talk about how you know working from home after a while whether whatever the craft may be it makes home not feel like home anymore because like you said you take five steps oh now i'm in the office i take 10 more steps oh, i'm in the kitchen i take 15 more steps oh well now i'm in the bathroom you know and then i'm back in my bed and then i have to kind of act like, oh, for when I wind down or when I stop, that my office isn't right across from where I'm at. And right. I'm watching my episodes, but I can see the office like right there. So, you know, kind of getting out, really securing that space, really being in there, it can give you just a different mindset. It can, it, the creative juices can flow a little bit more. It gives you more space, gives you more opportunity. Even it allows you to kind of, in this case, just thinking about my job and, and even me, it allows you to kind of meet people to figure because they're, then they see you recording, they see the ring lights set up, the cameras and everything like that. And they're kind of wondering, you know, what's going on. But for you, you got the big six by four. Like I can already see it in my head as you were explaining. They're pretty big, you know, setup. But then on top of that, when you add, you know, the artistic side of things to that, interesting. So I definitely do agree with that. Whereas it definitely does depend on the person because obviously for, for, for a lot of people who I've talked to, you know, working from home for them, it's fine. They love it. It's convenient. They do what they do. They can roll out of bed, keep the pajamas on, just put the little whatever they got to do on mm-hmm. the top, cameras on, whatever. But for other people, you know, after a while, just that constant, it, it kind of takes away from them. So I think it's really situational, but that's kind of cool. So with what you, the studio kind of that you have now, 
what kind of setup is that? Is it just kind of you? Did you rent like your own suite? Are there other artists in there as well? Is this kind of like one big like event space type thing just sectioned off? What is that like for you? Okay, so art space, art space is it's actually one of the biggest like artist hubs in North Carolina, I think right now. I am there through a residency, which is something like artists can apply to that allows them to be in a space for a certain amount of time that's normally either paid or you're like you're not paying for the studio space yourself. So I'm not paying for the studio space for myself for a year and then I get a solo show at the end of it. So that it, there are like I think like 30 other artists there who are working who are paying for studio spaces. Um, I have a somebody who's doing the residency at the same time I am. But yeah, it is a it is an interesting space to be in because people are coming in like you were saying people are coming in and out all the time just kind of and it's a good way to network with people for sure so networking okay so i remember when when i reached out to you we were kind of talking we were sending the voice messages and things like that you were telling me that this is kind of like your first podcast like the first like explosion i was telling you, you know how much i love that how much i love just being kind of people's break into a ground break but you know a lot of people because it's always the reason the main reason why i love it though is just because and I'm not even going to knock on wood because I know it's going to continue to happen that a lot of and I'm not saying that I'm the cause or reason, but I, I just make observations. A lot of people, when they break into the space or when they start kind of sitting down and talking to people, they realize, oh, it's not even that bad. I love this, you know, and then you get that exposure, whether it be with Down to Business, whether it be with another podcast and then you go on. Now you're doing interviews, now you articles, now radio, now TV and things like that. So I always love to I'm always interested to see the trajectory, the growth, the, the path that people have after they kind of make and break. Like I said, it doesn't have to be with me. It could be that first news interview that you have, that first sponsorship that you get that first live show that you get just how that one opens your mind a little bit opens your eyes to it it may even have shifted you from being uncomfortable or now i'm comfortable i didn't really know what to expect with that it wasn't that bad though i do it again i do it 10 more times you know i do it but it kind of can go anywhere from that so with thinking about this with thinking about what you do what is like the best method for you when getting the word out about obviously social media is very powerful word of mouth can be very very powerful even art space even the studio the connections that you may have within it you guys may have your own kind of network or like listserv or things like that where it goes out to people but what have you found to be the most beneficial way to really get the word out about what you do and your craft oh man uh networking as an artist is i think for me personally one of the most important things you can do as an artist um which can be hard because artists not all of us are like very willing to talk all the time about stuff we kind of like to be in our own like little whatever but instagram is really where i got most of my opportunities from honestly um I'm, i don't even post as consistently as i should but that's that's where i found most of my opportunities and it was me my version of networking on instagram is a lot different i think than some other people in the sense that i was like actively following different galleries, different museums, different uh, curators or people who are going to put on shows, different artists who are showing at places that I want to show. Like I was actively following those people, still do it, reaching out to those people, making sure that they saw my work in some way, shape or form. And that was really how I started getting my, like getting my art out there. Interesting. I, I definitely do agree that. Whereas People talk about it all the time. I think it's been one of the universal themes among the podcast for sure. Networking. It can look different depending on what space you're in. Some spaces are just easier to, you know, it can get you in the room a little bit easier. Other spaces are are different. You have to think that some, in, when I think of artists, like 
artists, meaning like anything from like painting to anything that you do, mixed media, as we call it, my new term right now. I don't really think of y'all as entertainers in a sense, like, or you're not a, when I say that, I mean more so like what y'all do, what y'all craft is, what y'all job is. It doesn't necessarily require you to be out there, to be out in the open. You can really, like you said, kind of be in your studio, be in your room, put the work in. And then when it's time to just display things, you put it out like that. Whereas like when it comes to entertainers, when it comes to even what I do or, or just other people, different other industries, other niches, you kind of have to put your, without putting yourself out there, without making yourself uncomfortable in a sense, you'll never really get anywhere. But with an artist, you can be an introverted artist and just be very talented and people just naturally, oh, well, I, I've never really had too many conversations with Aaliyah. I've never really, you know, sat down and picked her brain, but I know she makes some fire work and I know I'm going to keep buying from her. I know our customer services. Well, I know that when I work with her, it's going to happen. So I, I definitely do think that networking can can be very situational, can be different to your industry, can be different to what you are. But I also think the mindset, the attitude that you have with it is that I think that's important. I think that that's crucial. Like you said, it's not just kind of about how do I want to word this? I don't want to say nothing too crazy. A lot of times people say like, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Well, I very much agree with that for sure. I also think about, well, what if you're in an industry kind of just breaking into that space? Though? What if you don't know too many people? And I wouldn't say I really know too many podcasters. I would say I, I do great work. I would, but you could kind of say the flip the script a little bit. We could say the same with you. Let's just say you don't know too many artists. But if you do great work, that could honestly speak for itself. Sometimes the craft just speaks for itself, whether you have those connections, whether you have those plugs or not. So I definitely think that networking can be it's a seesaw. Sometimes it can it can be it can be working for you, it can be well for you or you can have to find some groundbreaking ways to really diversify yourself and really kind of put your names in those rooms that otherwise you may not have been in. So that's kind of cool. So, OK. I'm I'm hearing what you're saying. I just heard that you said you got a you get a private art you get a show at the end of the residency that's dope. You're not paying for the residency that's even dope. It's, if it's free, it's for me. I love that. Like that's that's mm-hmm. great. Man. The fact that they even offer opportunities like that, great. So when it's all said and not even when it's all said and done, you could have it your way. If things could be exactly how Aaliyah wants it, paint the perfect picture. What would you be doing? Where would you be going? Where would you be at? Would you still be in North Carolina? Would you have your own studio? Would you be doing exhibitions? Would you be traveling? Would you be locked in with other people? What ultimately do you really want to do with this right now? That's a real interesting question for you to ask because to a certain extent, I'm doing like what I wanted to do. Like I definitely made sure to work very hard while I was in school to set myself up to where I could be doing what I'm doing right now full time. So like my goal my goal was to be a full-time artist and I'm doing that and that's great. But then it's like, how do you elevate? So then that's like showing at bigger places, eventually selling my work for more money and like just kind of elevating where I'm at now, but staying within the same thing of what I want to do. So definitely owning, having a studio space that is like solely my own, because I realized that I like to work best when my doors close and I can play my music and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So doing that and, and showing my, my pieces pretty much everywhere and just letting people see my work, because like you were saying, uh, it is, my work is the entertainer if that makes sense. Like there's me, but then it's like, people don't necessarily care about me. They care about the work that I'm putting out there more than they care about me. So yeah, just continuing to do that. Okay. I think that that's a great answer because it, it kind of shows both sides. It shows that one, like you said, you're doing what you want to do. This is kind of the space that you wanted to be involved in. This is kind of the work speaks for itself, but then also too, whereas you may be 
in your industry. You may be, you may have it kind of set up how you want to have it set up. You may be, I'm going to say it again, doing exactly what you want to do. You're not settling. You're not complacent. You still recognize that it's more to this. I can, I can show more. I can show bigger. I can show better. I can make more, make bigger. You know, it's always, it's always a way to scale that. So that's, that's very interesting too. Just hearing that perspective, just because what well, we think about a lot of times, like, because, and that's why I didn't even form the, formulate the question as when it's all said and done, because for a lot of us, especially for artists, for creators, anything like that, it's never done. Like, and even when, even when you are really where you want to be at, like, even when you feel like you, you dropped a dope project, I, even when I feel like I had a dope interview, even when I feel like I hit 10,000 plays, when I hit a hundred episodes, 10 years, get a sponsorship, whatever, I need more. I want another sponsorship. I want another 10,000 plays. I want another 100 episodes, you know, because you don't know where these where this continuous grind, where this continuous elevation could take you. But if you if you just if I just stop at the 10K, oh, well, that was cool. That was fine. And Dan, you know, put in a lot of work, had a lot of great experiences. What do I what, what do I continuously gain from that? How do I continuously get down to business if I'm, you know, if I'm kind of just getting complacent or settling or or taking it easy once I hit certain milestones? No, those milestones, if anything, they should just increase that hunger. They should really just want you to keep it going. You know, now that you have your own space, now that you can lock in, oh, well, let me go harder. Let me go bigger. Let me think, let me think crazier. Because I was, I was getting, I was having it my way when I was working out of my room. Like you said, you know, sometimes you just had to spread it out, make it happen, take some steps across. Sometimes you might've got a little late. Like you said, watched a couple of episodes, fell in, got distracted, whatever. But at the same time, you were still putting in that work every day to be able to become a full-time artist. Okay, well, let's not stop there. Let's put other people in position to do the same. Let me make make my brand, my vision a little bit bigger. So I, I, I love that. I, I love that a lot. And I'm very interested to see it. So when I think of certain places, when I, whether it be a city, town, communities, whatever, I think of certain things. And when I mean that, okay, so I'm going to just take Atlanta, for instance. Atlanta was one of the places where when I graduated from ECU, it was either North Carolina, I moved back, uh, I, go to, I moved to Charlotte, or I moved to Atlanta. You couldn't tell me that after I got my master's, I wasn't moving to North Carolina or Atlanta. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm in Florida, so totally different, you know, totally different vibes and everything. But why I wanted Atlanta so specifically was because I feel like that's a place where I tell people all the time, no matter who you are, or what you do, if you do something, if you're looking for an opportunity, go to Atlanta. Yes, it's very congested. Traffic is terrible. It gets crazy out there. But at the same time, I've watched so many people be plugged in, so much opportunity just present itself. I follow so many people who have moved to Atlanta, live in Atlanta, work in Atlanta, have done events or things in Atlanta. And I just watched the I see people that I know for a fact didn't know each other, somehow ending up in the same room, somehow ending up working with one another, just because the connections are just that crazy. But at the end of the day, it all revolves around that same community. So what I'm really getting at here is just like, when you think of North Carolina, what is the art scene like there? Is it very heavy? Is it, or not even, but more so specifically to where you are. So you said, Rob, what is the scene like there? Is it, would you say there are a lot of artists there? Would you say there's a lot of collaboration happening? Would you say you kind of just know who it is, who is, is there? Would you say there is no real art presence there? Is It's kind of just certain people do certain things. What is, what really is that like overall with where you are right now? Okay. <laughs> Raleigh is great. The art scene there here is a little small it's growing and it's it's definitely getting better but because we're in north carolina you know like there's a lack of diversity there or uh, a lack of access to resources that make it seem like there's not a lot of diversity here right um so that's always interesting to navigate you know being the only black person in those spaces maybe being the only black person that's in the show that sort of thing now now though it is getting better because there's a lot more 
influx of Black curators and, and Black artists, just because of the nature of the things that have been happening in the world, Black art and Black bodies is a real, is a real hot topic right now. So I think these these um, organizations are making more of an effort to include Black people in these spaces so that it can be more diverse, which is a good thing. Atlanta, though, Atlanta is a really great spot for art. And what you're saying about just the people you're meeting there, like I met John Lewis and Dillard's on New Year's, I think maybe like a year before he passed away. And like, he was the one who like made me want to, I was on the fence about being an African-American studies minor. And then we went to Atlanta to pick up my grandma's fabrics and just be there for New Year's. That's where my, my fam is out there and met John Lewis at Dillard's in the mall. And then I was like, oh, got to be an African-American studies minor now. <laughs> but yeah, there are definitely some places that are better than others. North, North Carolina is just a little small in, in the South. So okay. See, that's that's random. That's what I'm saying. Atlanta, like you, we're running to anybody out there, airport, anybody, whatever. Like that's, and that's, but that can be true. You know, wherever you're at, I look at people who run into celebrities or who meet people in the airport and it's just like, well, why were you even there? Where are you going? Like, what are they? But you know, right. but you never know what can really happen. Sometimes being in the right place at the right time, man, or sometimes being in a random place at the right time can really help. Random you place. Propel you for sure. So what is your favorite part about what you do? Is it making the quilts? Is it designing it? Is it showing it? Is the people satisfaction once they get a completed work of art? Is it the fact that, you know, there's so much more room to grow here. What do you really love about mixed media, about what you do, about the craft, about the land that you're in, about the art space, about everything? Man, I'm only 23 doing it. So honestly, like I, I'm loving all parts of it right now just because I'm still learning because I graduated in December. So I'm only about like four or five months out. So just really learning from everybody right now is really just the biggest thing. Super grateful for all my mentors and all the people that I have that I'm that I'm like looking up to all the time. Are artists who are bigger than me in better positions than me who've been doing it longer for me that I can learn for learn from that are super uh, helpful all the time. So that has been like honestly the best part. But in terms of the art making itself, like the I think that's hard. <laughs> so much so many different parts to what I'm doing but I right now I definitely am very like I really like when people buy my work because then it just gives me the motivation and encouragement to keep going because it makes me feel like all right I'm doing this for like a reason people are out there and they're they're vibing with my work so much that they're willing to pay thousands for it okay like gotta keep doing that shit like because then people people are clearly vibing with it you know (laughs) She said thousands, y'all. Support your local artists, man. I'm, I'm going to show y'all what support your local artists can really look like. So, as I told you, I'm subscribed to CJ Monet's Patreon, right? So this is my work lap. Oh, that's so, so dope. Out of all these stickers on my... I'm going to flip it this way so I get the top view. Out of all these stickers on my work laptop, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of the, These are CJ's. Like, this is $5 a month. For, like, this is just yep. what you get. So... Like I said, like, and that's just that's just the stickers. That's not the prints that I have that she makes out of the lyrics. That's not the logo that she's going to do for me. It's coming soon, y'all. And she's so, not a, she's not doing a logo for me too, y'all. So I'm just saying, I love her. It's she's she's so dope, man. So creative, like beautiful voice, everything like that. So it was just like it, to me when I see what can really happen when you put the money into these things. When you because I think about okay, 
a lot of my basis for this podcast is that we shop with so many other people, places, companies who, who one, don't know us. Two, don't really care to know us. Three, don't do anything to improve upon what they're already doing. When I say that, I mean like, okay, I think about design or I think about, I'm going to take Balenciaga, for example, because I think they're the ones that just released them ugly looking phrase shoes or whatever, the real damaged looking shoes. It's almost like a mockery. It's almost like a joke, like to us, like, and it's just like, you know, people are going to buy it. You know, people are going to tag that, you know, that's going to be a fashion statement. But why? But why? I could do that myself. You know, I could, but there's people out here who are diligently working, who are not only making the quilts. Design. I didn't even know you could paint on quilts. Like, like, let's be very real before this interview started. Like, I didn't know that you could do that. There's people out here that are in that space. There's people out here that, but one, when you fund that, when you support that, when you repost that, when you show it to other people, it only allows them to perpetuate the skill. It only allows them to get better because I know with CJ, these prints are crazy. I have my lap, I have my work laptop open like this every time when I check people in or whatever the case may be. It's always sitting like this. So this is the first thing you see kind of when you walk up to me. People always talk about the Mac sticker. Oh, are you a big Mac fan? And then, sometimes I can't hear what they say. So I'm like, huh, what did you say? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, are you a Mac? And I'm just like, yeah. But then when I really break it down, I can't tell you how many times I've brought up CJ Monet's Instagram page at my at my job on my phone and tell people, yo, like, if you think that's dope, let me show you the actual print that she did, the lyrics. Like, let me show you Andre 3000. Let me show you Lauren Hill. Let me show you J. Cole. Let me run. So they're like, oh, she really does. I'm like, yeah, bro. Like, this is not, you know, I said this was $5. This print is reflective. It looks good. All of that. RIP to Mac for sure. But these are your local artists. These are people who are really talented. I've never seen anybody do the type of lane that CJ Monet is. And I've never seen anybody take a bunch of words. These are all lyrics, words, speeches, songs, whatever. How do you even do that? But then when she makes the videos, then when she puts it all together, when she sent me the prints, I was in awe because it's just like, wow, if you're doing this now, imagine when you blow. Imagine a year from now. Imagine two years from now. Imagine three years from now. Imagine when the right person gets wordy. Imagine when these artists start getting these prints. Because I know if I was J. Cole, Andre, Lauren, Erica, whoever, I know if I got a print of myself out of all of my words, oh, I'm taking that totally different. Totally different. So it's just like, man, y'all have to support your local artists. You have to really tap into these people because we spend all this money here and there here for, for a, a, a connection where we won't even talk to the person, where we won't even know the person, where we can sit across from the person and really pick their brain. Talk about what they like, what they don't like. What's their favorite part about what they do, man? It's the sky is really, man. It's so open. Go ahead. And what's so interesting about that, like Carly's one of my best friends. We see each other multiple times a week, and we're both artists. And sometimes it's just kind of funny how you say that because I don't think people honestly really understands what it means when you're supporting small businesses, when you're supporting artists who are doing a bunch of things, because it's like that, they don't really understand that that money that you're investing into us, have that money or more than have that money, we're taking and we're reinvesting into our business to get more shit. Like it costs money. <laughs> and then us also living costs money too. So when you're investing in us, it's, it's not it's different. Like you, you're invest. You buy them uh, shoes from Balenciaga. You spending a whole bunch of money on on everything, designer, whatever. Where's that money going? That money is going to often, you know, like a bunch of different people, and you never see where that money goes into, right? But when you're buying, as you buy a quote from me, you buy a print from Carly. Like half that money is going to us getting lunch, us eating, us paying rent, us paying our card note, us reinvesting into our business like it just is different in a sense in that way tell you man i can't tell y'all how many times i've seen a couple of orders come through on the down the business website for the year and i'm just like damn like i ain't thank rich god <laughs> god like this like you said lunch gas like this my 
This is going to help me get to Charlotte. They had a live event. The, the money from the live event, man, it went into different travel expenses. It went into when I got back and, and just certain things that I'm, I'm moving forward so that I can do more events so that I can take care of the people who took care of me to get in this position. You know, granted, a lot of that stuff was it was on a lookout basis or it was people trying to take care of me. But venues cost, traveling costs, living arrangements cost, especially when it's not your city. You know, so the fact that I want to do this in multiple cities, the fact that I want to make an entire event out of this. Yeah, that can't just come from my nine to five. It's gonna have to come from my side gig and, and everything like that too. But when your nine to five is paying the rent, paying the insurance, paying the water bill, and everything like that, you need that, you know. So people really don't understand that. Sometimes I think they think we just are trying to do this to just. It's not a get rich. It's not a get rich thing. You're not. You're not putting money, spending money in my pocket to go buy drinks. No, you're putting money in my pocket to to make it to work. To be able to put on a live event, to be able to make sure that my content, I can pay my content creators to be able to do this. I want to build a right. team around me, interns. And granted, I'm <laughs> I'm a believer in unpaid internships. Many people don't like that. I, But the only reason why I would say I'm a believer in it is because I've been there. I've done that. I recognize that, you know, sometimes to really appreciate something, to really take it that much seriously, you have to work your way up the totem pole. Because I think about an internship unpaid versus being underpaid. It's, it's almost one and it's the, the principle is one and the same. Granted, you're still making money versus not making money, but the principle is there. Yes, I know that I could. What if I'm not in a position to pay you? But if you do great work, then I keep you around. I bring you on the team permanently. We make something happen. But people don't know that. People automatically just say, what if I pay you as an intern and you don't do the work or it's not of quality? And it's not, you know, but I'm but I'm putting money out of my pocket. I'm taking money from my business to help you. So, no, for me. If I want to pay my team, if I want to be able to keep people around me, keep those connections, build those bridges, I need to also be making some type of money for my business. I'm not sponsored right now on the Down to Business podcast. Would a sponsorship be lovely? Yes, that would take a lot of, you know, just worry off of me. Just certain things. I, if I'm going on a trip or if I'm traveling back to Charlotte to do another event, oh, my sponsor will cover that. So now that's more money I could put here. So now I could bring maybe more merchandise to the event. So now I could hit up my homegirl. Hey, I need 50 shirts. I might give some away, but people not thinking like that, though. They always thinking that, oh, because you're asking for money, because your price is your price. That's just it. No, I'm asking for that. So that way, the next time I do this, maybe instead of selling 20 shirts, I give 10 away, sell 10. Look at that. You know, people don't think about things like that. So something that you kind of touched on that was very interesting to me. I love that. One, congrats on graduating in December. Major accomplishment. Two, you're young. 23. What do you say to other young entrepreneurs, to other young people just in this creative space, whether they be artists like you, whether they be podcasters like me, whether they just be business owners or in this space in general? How do you, one, just continue to keep that motivation? How do you wake up every day in this world that we're in amidst the pandemic, amidst the crazy world, amidst social media and everything that's going on and really stick and hone in and stay dedicated to what you love to do? It is definitely hard. I think my biggest thing was I a lot of people, I feel my age are saying a lot of like, I want to do this. I want to start this podcast. I want to start this YouTube video. I want to be a visual artist. I, so I want to start this painting, but like, I'm scared, you know, or, or like, I don't want to, I don't want to put $20 into that subscription. That's going to, you know, help me, help me go up. Cause I want to pay these $300 for these pair of Jordans to post on Instagram or, you know, like just different things like that. For me, it was like, when I I definitely started while I was still in school, which helped, but all the money that I was like earning at that time, all the time that I had was spent on working and building my craft. Like I could have went to that party. I could have like hung out with my friends and went to sub dogs. I could have, you know, spent my money on that new pair of shoes that I also really wanted, but I was working. I was, I, I like sacrificed that to work so I could be a full-time artist when I graduate 
and and do that stuff because so that's what I I would honestly just suggest is do the things that you you want to do because it's going to be so much easier if you start at age 20 than if you wait and start at age 25 because think about that five year difference and where you could be like the growth you're going to grow the growth is going to be you're you're starting at a, a you're starting with you know your foot in the door then starting at 25 with the door closed and trying to barge your way in type of thing. That's like kind of how I, how I think about it. Sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice that like party or like going out that Friday night, whatever to hone in on your craft because it's going to make it better in the long run. Man, that just spoke to me just because I think about, you know, sometimes how long it took me to start this and then just thinking about had I really started it when it was fresh on my brain, where I would be, because yes, I, I definitely will, in my opinion, I've I've achieved like much success with this over my course of two and a half years. Like I've definitely met some dope individuals, 90 plus episodes. That's amazing. Like, but at the same time, I also think about who else I could have met over those years, how many other cities I could have been in, how many YouTube views I might have by now. I could be monetizing on YouTube instead of kind of trying to, like you said, now my foot is in the door, but now I'm steadily trying to still push it open a little bit. Whereas if I'd have started, I might be halfway in there now. I might just be waiting on the back you know something like that so that that honestly just kind of lit a fire under me just when i'm thinking about something when i have an idea just to go do it because something that i've definitely realized with just having a, a business just with being an entrepreneur just with wanting to be in this space a sacrifice man it's sacrifice people are not going to understand it people are not going to get it especially when they're not a business owner at all and even sometimes business owners and entrepreneurs they don't get it because their definition or their they sacrifice or what they consider sacrificial may be totally different than you and your lifestyle and what you do. Like I said, I'm I'm in here in Florida. I'm wide open. To our our <laughs> I tell you all the time it's hard to it's hard to be in, be upset when you wake up every day. It's palm trees outside. The sun is up. People are I'm dying. sure yeah <laughs> out of water. Like you know, I, I love it out here. So the fact that I can kind of do that, the fact that I can be here and do that, my my I might be having a totally different mindset if I was still in Philly. I might still be trying to, you know, be with the homeboys, rip and run. But the fact that I kind of came out here solo dolo with my boy, obviously from college, but it really forced me to kind of have to lock in differently. I didn't know too many people out here. I was working at Amazon. I was driving an hour to work and an hour back to work every day, still coming home to record, still coming home to edit, still, you know, I run this by myself. Nobody else helps me. Like, I, this is all. So, you know, the fact that I, I just, you think about different things like that, but you also think about, well, I think about, you know, the feedback or what people say, or how they enjoy it, or how people come on the podcast, and they want to refer people, or how people like Jordan, who have never been on the podcast at all, can send me people, how they listen to it, how they buy merchandise and everything like that. It, it speaks to the grind. It speaks, you know, people are going to, yes, people are one, going to support you just for you, because they love you, because they family, because it is what it is. My grandma be listening to the episode. My grandma got the gear. I told my, I, shout out to my grandma, man, because I feel bad, because I thought <laughs> I was going to send her the free gear, and I didn't send it to her. And next thing you know, she ordered three things. And I said, damn, like, damn, I, I was. And then she she told me that basically she ordered something. They sent the wrong size. So she chatted with customer support. They told her, well, whatever you want to do with the wrong size kind of up to you. We'll send you another one free. I said, huh? Like I could have. So customer <laughs> sent my grandma free stuff and I couldn't even send my grandma. But it, it just all goes to show that, you know, people are going to do that off the strength, off of who Tamara is, off of who Aaliyah is, off of whatever. But at the same time. It keeps you going. It makes you feel that much better when you realize the work that you're putting. I can see if people were supporting me and I was dropping an episode whenever I felt like it. If I wasn't really giving yeah. my all, if I wasn't really, you know, if I wasn't really grinding late at it, because I didn't put in some hours with this, man. I didn't, I didn't, woke yeah. up Saturdays, not felt like driving to the studio to go record. 
had to drive to the studio, had to miss a couple of things, miss a couple of drinks, missed a couple of happy hours. We had to cut happy hours short, maybe, to get here. It's Wednesday. It's hump day right now. I, I want to go food shopping. I want to go, you know, get a bottle or something and kick it back. The playoffs coming on soon. But I'm locked in. I'm here. This is what I want to do, you know. So I think the grind, it makes you appreciate that much more when you know that the work that you're putting in on the back end is translating to the front end. Right, because it's going to pay off. Come on now. So before we officially, like, close out, wrap things up, everything like that, one, do you feel like there's anything we have not touched on today? Anything that you want to share with the people? Anything that you may even have upcoming that people could look forward to? Anybody who may not have known who you were, what you did before we started this interview, but now that they kind of know you and want to tap in with you, anything that they should be looking forward to? Anything like that? Oh, okay. Well, you can definitely follow me on social media. Sometimes, like, I can't talk about my shows until they are actually, like, out. But I do have some good stuff coming up that's real exciting <laughs> so definitely stay tuned in so you can you can see when those things happen <laughs> see look i like i like the podcast because we get the dive we get some sneak peeks in here sometimes but sometimes you know we also get those things where they can't reveal so that should make y'all want to tap in that much more and so something that you kind of started with but something i always end with please just give us your social media best places to find you where can we locate you see the art everything like that you can find my website and it's www.aliyabonnet.com and that has some stuff you can you can buy some stuff on there and um, just browse my work. You can find me on Instagram at Sweet Peach Lee L E E and then also if you're in Raleigh you can find me at Art Space in downtown Raleigh at Studio Two Fifteen. Ooh, I done took the camera off. Two fifteen, y'all. Pull up, tap in. I'm gonna be on the website now, and I'm I'm definitely next time. I'm I'm actually wanna uh, want one of my next events. Probably not the most. I don't know if I'm. A, I don't know. See, I'm so indecisive, man. But I want one of my events moving forward. Before the year is up, we will be in Raleigh, North Carolina. So definitely be on okay. that, man. Definitely want to pay a visit to our space, see what y'all have going on the setup. Everything. Yeah, it's so, dope. I credited him in the beginning. I'm going to credit him again, Jordan, Demarcus, whatever you call him, man. I know. Shout out Demarcus. Shout out to him, man. Go Demarcus. But nah, that's really, you know, uh, really a genuine individual, really from like day one, ECU days, man. He was just surprised before we knew anything about a podcast, before I was even in that space. Man, he he has shown nothing but love. We did great things with VSU. He did great. Always supportive. Yeah, man. Very supportive. So like I said, bro, wishing you, you know, sending you love, wishing you a speedy recovery. I love you, man. Mm -hmm. Leah, I thank you so much. We love you. Yeah, come on now. I'm very excited for you, man. Very excited, you know, to see what Art Space does for you, to see where your trajectory is, to follow up with you when I when I start my Where Are They Now series. That's just something that I just dropped. Oh, that's so super nobody cool. Knows, nobody knows <laughs> anything about that, but the announcement is coming soon. Uh -oh. Very excited for my Where Are They Now series to tap in with you later on. I'm in life and just figure out, you know, where things are. But it was, I definitely do appreciate, you know, you hopping on here. I definitely do want to see more collaborations with you and, and Carly, man, because y'all. For sure. Things. I didn't, I didn't even add the sticker to my, because that last sticker is going right here. <laughs> the last, for sure. That one I got yesterday. Oh, it's going right there. So people ask me all the time about different things, but no, very proud of y'all. Very happy to see the work that y'all doing and wish y'all nothing but blessings and success. Excited for the shows coming up. People, especially my local people. I have a lot of North Carolina people who I follow, whether it be Raleigh, Greensboro, Charlotte, whatever. Get to these shows, man. Get to these cities. Y'all pull up for parties. Y'all pull up for homecomings, anything else. Pull up for these shows and support your local artists, man. That's that's all I'm going to say. But yes, no, sir. Everybody <laughs> out there, yeah. Appreciate y'all. I love y'all as always. You know, you know we not stopping by no means, man. But this has been another episode of the Down to Business Podcast here with Tamar Turner.